for a change. Please turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 13. How many of you ever deal with distractions? <laughs> we deal with distractions, right? I've been accused of having ADOS, attention deficit of shining. And it's really easy to get distracted. It's really easy to have distractions that come in your life. You know, I remember um, even studying has changed. I remember when I was a boy, when we would study, when the time, the three times I studied, um, it had to be quiet. Now, kids today, the TV's on, the radio's on, their earbuds are on, and they're studying, and they're actually learning something. I don't know how they do it. But distractions are, are everywhere. And so, we're going to be talking about paying attention. Because God has been at work in our lives all along. Don't you love that? Usually when you hear the phrase, pay attention, it's because you're not paying attention, right? So, but that's not the case today. We're going to be talking about paying attention because God has been working in our lives along and along. And it's so easy to just go through life and wonder where God was or where he is or what he's up to. And hopefully today I'm going to help you see some of that so that you become more aware of how God's working in your life today and each and every day. And so we're going to pick up in verse uh, 7 of chapter 13. Of Hebrews. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by various and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by works. Through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering are burned outside the camp. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Father, I pray and ask that you'll speak to us this morning. I pray and ask you to show us what's going on, what you're saying. And Father, help us to learn to pay attention. Thank you for this opportunity. I pray for each person here. I pray that what you have for them this morning, the intimate relationship, the communication, the direction, the lamp and the light, that you will reveal that and share that with them today. I pray for development of our personal relationships with you and with one another. And we look forward to watching you work in our lives and to being an encouragement to one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, we're going to learn how to pay attention by those, by remembering those who led us. We're going to pay attention to the truth, and we're going to pay attention to where we're going. And so we begin with those who have led us. Here we're told to pay attention or remember those who invested in you. 
And there's different ways that people have invested in us in life, but people have invested in us. They've invested time, they've invested resources, they've shared of their heart. There's people who've been placed, uh, placed their ideas and concerns and cares. How many of you can think of somebody who's invested in you at some point in their life? Right? People pour into other people. And I bet that there's people, if I were to ask them, they would come up with your name as well. And that's part of the journey of people investing in us. And he talks about some of the ways that they've invested. He talks about them leading us. Listen, when you lead someone, you demonstrate by your life both the path and the manner of walking. You know, if you... Uh, have anybody ever done any kind of rappelling or hiking or any, right? Um, the, uh, it's nice to follow somebody that's doing that because they show you where the handholds are. You know, I've watched some of these people that there was a, there was a company that launched. Have you ever heard of Freescale? Anybody ever heard of the company Freescale? You know what? You know where they got the name from for Freescale? It was a, it was a division of Motorola that broke off. And when you freescale climb, you climb with no ropes. And so they were cutting the ropes, and that's how they came up with the name for that. And so when people freescale, you've got to hit the handle. You've got to grab the handholds. You've got to know where they are, or at least know how to find them. And so that's what people do for us, is they lead us, and they demonstrate by their life. They show us the path and how. They show us which way to go and how to walk. It's, you know, it's interesting that the Bible says that it's God's word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. You know, we kind of read that as one phrase, but it's not. You need to know where you are and you need to know where you're going. You can't know where you're going if you don't know where you are. And God's word does both for us. And that's the beauty of this. And so people will come and lead you. There's Listen, there's people who have been a godly example. Can y'all think of some godly people that uh, he's brought into your life or people that have sown into you or you just watch and you go, man, that just really uh, speaks to me about how they live. And so God sends those people into our lives to show us how it's done. But that's not all there is from those who let us. There's also those who have spoken the word of God to us. Listen, God gives us people to help understand both the interpretation and application of scripture. Now, how many of you have heard there's many interpretations of scripture? You ever heard that? You ever heard that? Do you know that's not true? That's not true. There's one interpretation of scripture. That interpretation is this. What God meant when he wrote it to the original recipient. That's the interpretation. We learn from that and make various applications into our life from that one truth. It applies in different areas. But there are not many interpretations to God's word. There's one. It's what he meant when he said it. And we have to understand it in context. And so when we talk about speaking the word of God to you, there are people who will come along and help to share what that God sends in your life. I remember when I first started out, I didn't know anything about God's word. I mean, I've been exposed to it, but honestly, I mean, I don't know about you, I didn't pay much attention. 
You know, when I was a kid, uh, some, of, some of these children's ages, I wasn't paying attention. I was just trying not to get spanked at church. Yeah. <laughs> that was my father, those of you who don't know. And I wasn't always successful. I wasn't paying much attention, but then I remember when I responded to the Lord, he sent this, this one guy into my life and we began to study scripture together and began to show me. And then at one point, God said, you need to start seeking me, not through him, but seeking me. And it's funny how God brings those people into your life at different stages and different times. And he'll do that. Have you ever heard somebody speak or read something that somebody wrote and go, wow, that really unlocked some things for me. God, now you need, still need to do your own study. Don't listen to me. Don't rely on everybody else to do the study for you. We together lock arm in arm and seek the Lord together, studying together. The church at Thessalonica was called a mature church. Because they sat down and they took God's word and they studied and they, they talked about it. And iron sharpened iron together. They sought the Lord together. Listen, I'm not always right. My wife is serving somewhere else this morning. I am not always right. And so, have anybody here ever been wrong? You know, the best part of that is like half of you raise your hands. <laughs> but we're wrong at times, right? Or is that wrong too? <laughs> but we're wrong at times. And we go into things together, we share together, we're seeking together. And the Holy Spirit works and confirms His Word to us through one another. And so here, the best investment you can make is investing God's Word in other people. That's the best investment we can make. You know, there's all these investments out there and things you can do. And, and I think if, if you honor God in the areas of, of whatever you're doing as far as investing your life, that it'll return. But the point is, the Word of God is that way. It's eternal. And we can make plans and we can plan our life without God. And we can say that I'm okay. God's Word says we're not okay alone. That's the only thing in the creation that God said, this is not good, is for us to be alone. You realize that? He created everything. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. After he did it. And so we're not meant to be alone. We're meant to be a part of a body because we're told in Hebrews that we're encouraged, we encourage one another to love and good works and to not forsake the assemblies of ourselves together because we need that encouragement. That's part of the journey. That's part of what God is doing. And so, and we can't do that if we're not in relationships and we're not around each other. And so this is what discipleship looks like. This is what discipleship looks like. You know, everybody talks about discipleship or making disciples. You know, really, we're called to make disciple makers. Does that make sense? Yes. If we're called to make disciples, disciples make disciples, which make disciples, which make disciples. And so I had a godly man tell me, you need a Paul in your life and a Timothy. You need somebody pouring into you and somebody you're pouring into. And that's part of the journey. Somebody, you got to give it away. You know what? You don't know why the Dead Sea is dead? 
You all know? It's got an inlet but no outlet. And because there's no outlet and no flow, everything ends there. And there's no life in it. So we have to have an outflow. And that's the beauty of investing in other people. And so discipleship. This is what discipleship looks like. And he says, so... Consider the, So as we're thinking about those people who've led us and have invested God's word in us, consider the result of their conduct. What, they do, what the things that have been a part of their life, the impact on you and the impact that that's made on other people. We're to think about that and realize that they had something. We're to imitate their faith. Now, let me be clear. That does not mean do what they did. Because faith is trusting. Let me tell you what faith is. Do y'all know the difference between belief and faith? Have y'all ever contemplated that? I sit around and contemplate these great mysteries of these questions like this. Belief. We all have a belief, right? Oh yeah, I believe in God. Well... The demons believe and they tremble. At least they do something about it. So believing in God is not the answer. But belief means that you just, it's a mental ascent. I, yeah, I believe he's there. But we never engage. We never say, well, if you're there, then what does that mean to me? We keep a meditator. We believe, we, we're convinced that these things are true. Or you might even take all of God's words. I believe Genesis to Revelation. I've read it. I know what's in there. And I'm convinced. I believe it. And we think that's enough. But see, we're told in Hebrews that without faith, it's impossible to please him. So even if I believe everything in the Bible is true and I don't have faith, I don't please God. Well, what's faith? We better know. Well, that just means that we move from, we move to trust in. Right. Ish. Faith takes place when we act, when we respond on our belief because we're led in our beliefs. When we say yes, uh, the book of James says that Without works, your faith is dead. So, what brings faith alive is our response to what we believe in action. And faith takes place. And so, when I respond by saying yes, when it tells me that I need to love my brothers and sisters. I go, oh yeah, I agree with that. You need what? No, yeah, thanks, you know. I'll pray. You ever, oh, here's one. Don't anybody raise your hand, okay? You ever told somebody you prayed for them and then you didn't pray for them? I'm sorry. I'm... Come on, folks. It's either, we either have to be genuine about this or not. It's either got to be the real deal or what are we doing? Faith believes that God can intervene in their circumstances and we're overwhelmed by it that we go pray. Or we're overwhelmed by what he said that it changes our existence so much that we begin to follow. 
And so we imitate their faith. We don't do what they did. We're convinced in, about God and his word like they were. And we respond to him. Listen, it, here's the thing. It works. Did you know that? If you, if you doubt the evidence, look around. We all said there's people that have invested in us, right? You're the proof. You're the proof. You proved it by, by your life. And so, why discipleship? See, and he, he sticks this in here, and this is quoted all the time. And it seems to not fit the context, but context is everything, right? Yes. Everybody say amen. 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 Context is everything. You can't just pull words out and go, oh, it means that. That's the whole thing. Well, I'm going to read the Bible, and Lord, show me. And we drop the Bible open, and you look, and it says, Judas went and hung himself. And you go, oh! And you go, Lord, I must have missed something there. And let's show me. And you open the Bible and goes, go and do that likewise. Woo! You know, you can't study God's word like that. That's not how it happens. You study in context, folks. Context is everything. And so here, he gives us, he says, because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What does that have to do with those who led us? Let me tell you what it has to do with it. The same Jesus who transformed their life. The same power that was in him expressed in them. The same expression of him and what he wants to do is available to you and me. It wasn't unique to them. There are no super saints. There is a super savior. And when you meet him, if you'll walk in faith, he expresses himself through you. It's not about us being great. It's because he already is. Amen. And that's the difference. And so we've got to get our eyes where they need to be. Not on us. Not about how God is going to make me great. Listen, Jesus is great. I become less as he's expressed more. And that's the beauty of the, of the story. And so... <laughs> We have the same access. Listen, and he'll, he'll use you too if you walk in faith. And so don't miss the lessons that have been demonstrated for you from the people who've gone before us and invested in us. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Thank God for the people who've invested in your life. I would love to hear those stories about how this godly man or woman, or maybe it was somebody who sat on the front row that you knew was a prayer warrior. And that has, for you, you know that prayer has value. Because of that person. You know we consider. Y'all ever consider some people prayer warriors. We've seen some. Met some. You know there was a story. And I don't I don't know if this was a true story. But there was this woman that had like 15 kids. And at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. She would take her apron. This is. Well this is another story. But she would take her apron and put it up over her head. And for an hour. They would not disturb her. That was her time of prayer. You know, if you think prayer doesn't change things, I challenge you to start praying. Start praying. I will tell you this. When we planted new life, I prayed every day, every morning, except one. God worked every day, except one. I watched it that day. He was making a point to me about prayer. That this is going to be a house of prayer. This is going to be a place that is done and lives based upon the book 
not based upon current culture or the latest fads or, you know, the thing is, it's so funny. This stuff comes and goes and I've watched it and I've seen it for, the, for decades in church ministry. Everybody gets all excited about this. They all jump. They transform their church. And let me tell you something. We don't need to transform the church. We need Jesus. Amen. We need him. He's enough. He's enough. Now, do we need to go? Yeah, we do need to go. He'll show us how to go. He'll show us how to go. You have friends and family, people you know that you love that need the Lord. I know that. I know that. That's why in a couple weeks I'm going to be preaching the gospel. Y'all remember that from last week? We said, why don't we do that? Two weeks from today. Bring them. I'm going to share the gospel. And let me tell you what the gospel is. You want to know where the gospel is found in, in God's word? 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. It came up with our students. I love these kids. These kids are awesome. If y'all haven't met them, y'all need to meet them. They're the ones sinking down. <laughs> We've been having good conversations in our youth group lately. It's been fun. And so we preach the gospel that Jesus died for you, that he was buried, and three days later he rose from the grave. Amen. Amen. Believing that's not enough, you have to put your faith in him. You have to transfer your trust in yourself to him. And when you do, he'll save you. And you'll be a new creation. Be praying for people. God's called us to this community. And so don't miss the lessons that have been demonstrated for us. Pay attention to them. But pay attention to the truth. Listen, folks. The truth matters. If I'm going to camp somewhere, it's going to be here. And those of you who know me know I will not compromise the truth for anything. I won't compromise it for attendance. I won't compromise it for money. I won't compromise it for my job. Nothing. It's not worth it. Because if I don't have the truth, then what do I have? Nothing. Because it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God said. And because God loves you more than I can, more you know what? More than your parents can, more than your kids can, more than the love of your life can. He loves you beyond your comprehension, beyond what our little pea brains can understand. Our brains cannot comprehend the love of God. Neither height nor depth nor principalities or powers can separate us from it. And so the truth matters. We're instructed not to be carried away by various and strange teachings. Now let me tell you something. What that requires is discernment, vetting, and humility. We need to discern what we're being taught, what they're actually saying. We need to vet it against scripture. And we need to humbly be teachable because sometimes what somebody's given us is actually truth. <laughs> How many of you have ever changed the belief you had because you ran across a verse of scripture that said something different? <laughs> I have too. I have too. But I'll tell you this. When people present something to me that's new to me, I check all of scripture. I check every bit of it. I had somebody present the stuff. Actually, let me share it with the, my class. The stuff we're going through, I rejected it. 
Because the guy who shared it could not answer one question for me. And if there's one hole, the whole thing falls apart. God answered that question for me and allowed me to receive what he had for me. That's really, I mean, it's an amazing story. I'll have to tell you sometime, maybe in class. And so the truth matters, ladies and gentlemen, the truth matters. Whatever you believe will take you somewhere. No matter what it is, it will take you somewhere. Whatever you believe. The question is, where is it leading you? Where is what you believe leading you? Because we are not stagnant. What's one thing that I'm aware of? Oh, I need to address this. Um, things change in life, don't they? Constantly. I said that a few weeks ago. And Terry told me, she said, sounds like you're setting up to leave. And I said, no, honey, we're not setting up to leave. Things change, though. Things in life change. We've watched it. People grow. We learn new things. We have make new discoveries. I mean, back in the 40s, they couldn't imagine a man on the moon. Now we're talking about that as a stop off on the way to Mars. Exactly. And that think life changes. That's the only constant there is. But that's a beautiful thing. That allows us to adapt and grow and move with it. And so, what we believe will take us somewhere. And the beauty of that, the beauty of this whole thing is, you don't have to stay where you are. You know, my question to you is this, how have you responded to God's word? Is it something that you say, well, you know, that's good, and yeah, it's true, and I believe it's a godly book, and, and uh, that's wonderful. And then you just stand there? Or you say, you know what, I need to find out about it. If I believe this is from God, because it says it's God breathed in Timothy. If it actually is God breathed. Would that have some value if that were true? Would it? Yes. If God said, let there be light, and the lights came on, decided to give us just a few words, because <laughs> we're told that all the books in the world couldn't contain the stories of just Jesus. Shouldn't we let this transfer? Shouldn't we find out? Wouldn't that be integrity? Mm-hmm. Or sincerity in the, in the pursuit? And so, he talks about this. Remember who he's talking to. He's talking to the Jews. And he says here that the heart is strengthened by grace, not by food. Because they had gone through this Levitical system of laws and they had done all these things and there's these foods and they're talking about sacrifice and they're talking about all this other stuff. How many of you have ever needed grace? How many of you have ever been shown grace but man, you needed it bad? <laughs> Did that not strengthen your heart when that happened? We too have the ability to give grace to people. To not hold them in account. Not say, you, you know what? 
You messed up. I don't care. I love you anyway. I'm there. Let's get down and let's walk out of this ditch together. That's what we're here for. We're here to lock arms, not shovel dirt. Somebody said the church is the only army in the world that buries its wounded. I don't want to bury the wounded. I want to bandage the wounded. I want to be there with you. I want to get down next to you and and wrap you up and walk out. And if you have 500 sins, (laughs) some of you went 500, some of you went only 500. (laughs) But if you had five, I want you to walk out and let's walk out together with 499. And if I have a thousand sins, I want to have 999 after knowing you. And that's where the truth leads us. The truth leads us in the relationship. Our hearts are strengthened by grace. Not by food. They had been trusting this system of behavior instead of grace. And he was preaching grace to them so that they could come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus died for you because you needed it. He took your sin upon himself. He who was perfect became sin. The punishment was applied to him. And you can now become righteous. Not just receive an injection of righteous. He transforms you from inside out. And that's part of this. We're strengthened by grace, not by food. They were following what they needed to do. Well, what do I need to do? I got to, you know, we got to have this list. Churches and pastors are notorious for giving you a list. Well, if you'll just do these five things, your life will transform. Let me tell you something. (laughs) If you'll listen to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, your life will transform. He'll give you the list. He'll tell you where to read. He'll tell you when somebody around you is in need. He'll tell you when somebody's hurt. You'll sense it. And there won't be, they won't say anything, but you'll sense it. You say, man, I just feel like there's something going on. That's the spirit of God. That's how we're supposed to walk. Because it takes faith to do that. The same faith we come to a relationship with Christ, we walk therein. So when I completely trust him to save me, I completely trust him to lead me. It's not a prescription. It's a person. And so he brings them back to the law. And we're told that those who participated in it did not benefit it, benefit from it. Because the law was never meant to make them more holy. The law was meant to reveal the fact that they weren't. It was never. If you read Romans 5, this isn't popular. You don't hear this preached a lot. But it actually increased sin. You don't think so? God's word says it. That's enough. But let me give you an example. You ever been told not to do something and then as soon as you were told not to do it, you kind of wanted to do it and you didn't want to do it until you are told not to do it? Don't eat that cake. Don't eat that and ruin your dinner. I wasn't even hungry until they said that. Now I wanted the cake. That's how the law works. It makes us want things that aren't right. It reveals the fact. And what it's really doing. It's revealing the fact that we we had a fallen nature. 
that was in need of rescue. That's how it worked. And we started applying it, trying to make ourselves real. So let's say for just a moment, I could keep all of the law. Because this is who he's preaching to. Is people are struggling with this. I could do it. I could do everything. Do you know that's still not enough? You know why? Because that's human righteousness and not God's righteousness. Which is what he accepts. So... Don't leave out here with a, well then I'm, (laughs) I got no hope then. No, our hope is found in Christ, not in what we do. It's found in Him and Him alone. And so, be careful what you trust, ladies and gentlemen. The writer shows them the linkage between the Old Testament sacrifices and Jesus See, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. You know why? Because you can't serve the law and grace at the same time. Our right to eat from the tabernacle that's in Christ comes from salvation. And until you experience that, you're going to miss out on all of this. You can play the game. Man, it's so easy to show up to church and try to look. Man, look around. You all look pretty. Amen? Amen? <laughs> well, you look pretty from up here, but my eyes are going. <laughs> you all look pretty. <laughs> Thank you, Luis. We can show up and we can look good and we can play the role, but this ain't about it, it's about the heart. And you can play and you can, sh- and you can fool people, but you can't fool God. And so, and I say you, I'm also you. I can't fool him either. You ever tried to fool God? Anybody ever tried to bargain with God? <laughs> you remember the movie The End with uh, Burt Reynolds? The very end, he's like, he was so saved, suicidal, and he swims out, and he's like, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to drown out here. And he starts bargaining with God. I'll give you 90% of my income if you'll help me. And, and it goes, the percentage goes lower the closer he gets to the shore. We do that. No, God, just 10%, 10%. As he's standing on the ground, you know, it's funny. We do the same thing. God, if you'll just do this, I'll do this. Listen, is there really anything else God needs to do? Didn't Jesus do it all? So we have an altar from which, <laughs> from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. And so we're given the right by grace of God to participate. And so pay attention to what you believe and where it leads you. Pay attention to what you believe and where it leads you. Seek the truth. The last thing is where are you going? Jesus was crucified outside the gate when he offered his blood for a sacrifice for sins. The Old Testament sacrificial system set the stage for Jesus. The, the sin sacrifice was bled out outside, burned up, and the blood was carried in. Is it no wonder that Jesus was sacrificed outside the gate? It was set up. He's the picture of what that was showing. And so he did that for us. So we go to him. <laughs> 
So go to Jesus. We bear his reproach. Listen, being a Christian today is not super well thought of, is it? People talk about us like we're not as smart. We need a crutch. Let me tell you, I'll take the crutch of the cross all day long. Their crutch is ignorance. Or self-sufficiency. Everybody has one. This idea that we need a crutch and they don't. That's a Hebrew word. Meaning. <laughs> yeah. There's emoticons in the Bible. You didn't know that? So we bear his reproach. Turn him with your sins. Give it all, folks. Well, I got to clean my life up. No, you don't have to clean your life up. If you could clean your life up, it's still only, it's only a, a self-righteousness. It's not enough. It's, you know, we think about Jesus like we think about entertaining friends. We got to clean the house. How many clean the house before your friends come over? Why don't you do it for yourself? You ever wondered that? I was thinking about that the other day when I was looking at the clutter on my own kitchen table. Why don't I just clean this? Because I want to clean the house. So if you want to get someone to clean the house, offer to come over. <laughs> but we do that. We want, we put, we clean up, we, and we treat God like that. Like I've got to clean all this up. Like God doesn't see through that. It's crazy. It's crazy. Where are you going? We don't have a lasting city here, folks. Boy, we invest in this place like this is it. You know, we want to make sure we're safe and secure and all of that. And, you know, we don't want, we have a wall, we build walls. And, you know, I, I, built, I built my friend's house and he didn't realize, and I didn't either, that he was going to be dead within four months. We don't know. I'd rather be somewhere where I'm truly safe. Our city is the new Jerusalem, the one that comes down from heaven. That's where we're going to dwell and be with God. I'm looking for that day. And so if we're going to pay attention, there's a couple of things we can put in our pocket, if you will, from these verses, I think. We need to have applied truth. When people invest in us, when people who invest in us claim the truth, we must look at their application of it to their lives. Is there applied truth going on? When somebody says this is true, do we see it applied? A lot of times that's said to make them feel better. But we watch other people's lives. Don't we notice people? Well, Bob is kind of like this. I know you guys don't have those conversations. Well, you know, in Gertrude, you know how she can be. Where does that come from? What they do. And so are we applying the truth to our life? You know what? I challenge you to start taking this word and start applying it to your life. By the power of the Holy Spirit, see what God does. I challenge you. I'm not going to tell you what in here. Oh, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. 
But let's take this seriously. Let's take it serious. The best test, this is the best test, is looking at how people have applied things to their lives because the truth always works. The truth always works, ladies and gentlemen. There's never a time that the truth is not the truth. I promise you, if I trip at the edge of the stage, I will fall down. It will be a memorable moment for you and for me. Andrea's laughing over. Did you see Andrea's over there? She's the one that's all red now. Gravity is always gravity. Truth is always true. Well, I can say it doesn't apply to me and leap off of here. And when my head hits the carpet, <laughs> I'm going to be reminded <laughs> that it's true. That's the way it works. Applied truth. Pay attention to applied truth in the people around you. Spoken truth. Pay attention to spoken truth. We must take time to study and understand the truth. Know the book and apply it. Know it. Now, there are people who seek knowledge for the sake of knowledge. And we have a tendency to hold people up who have Bible facts and Bible information. Let me tell you something. The more I study and the more I learn, that what I realize is the less I know. And I could spend decades and decades and decades just on the tabernacle or the cross or the characters of God or the the plight of men or the creation or Old Testament theology or the study of salvation or the study of angels or the mystery of sin. Where did that even come from? How did that even happen? The mysteries of the universe are contained within here. And we don't, honestly don't have enough time if we studied every day of our life to get it all. I thank God that he exceeds my mind. <laughs> and so, spoken truth. God has spoken this to us. And we need to take it in. You know, that's one thing that I love about these students. Is we were, we were challenging one another over the word. They started questioning me on Wednesday. And challenging to see what I knew. One particularly. But it's good. That's good. Because guess what? We go home and study. And guess what I learned? I learned what number the book of Ruth is in the Old Testament. Because that's the one I missed. I'm getting some help out here. The problem is I'm getting two different numbers. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So is it seven or eight? Some of y'all are doing it. See, this is how it works. Third, if we're going to pay attention, we need to know the one who is truth. We learn, as we learn the truth, we're getting to know Jesus. So don't just pursue knowledge, pursue him. In 1 Corinthians 8.1, it says... That knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And so it's not about the knowledge. It's about the love. Pay attention to where you're heading. 
And I want you to pay attention for just a moment. I'm going to I'm going to share this story with you. I'm going to have, well, this is this is um, this is a question and answer time. So let's pretend that you're driving the bus for Sunday school. And now pay attention. Okay, everybody pay attention. You're driving the bus for Sunday school. At your first stop, you pick up seven kids. Seven. At your next stop, you pick up four kids. At the next stop, six kids. You drop them all off and go out for more. The next three stops, you get five kids each, and the last stop, two, and actually drop off three. Y'all ready? How old was the driver? How old? You're driving the bus. Minimum age of 21. <laughs> <laughs> here, comes, here comes the DOT guy up front. That's how distractions work, folks. We get focused on something and we don't get all the information. And I think that happens in our Christian journey also. And so the beauty of this is that we need to pay attention. We need to pay attention. We need to pay attention to to the people that he sent to uh, his word and to where we're going. You cannot just check out and skate this. You can't just skate it. It's the, this is the real thing. And so let's do it the way God said to do it. And enjoy the journey. Very exciting. Next week is going to be super fun. And the week after. But I want to ask you this morning. What has... God been speaking to you about maybe it was something we talked about. Maybe it was something totally different. Why did God bring you this morning? I would encourage you to say yes to whatever that is. Maybe put his finger on something in your life. Maybe put somebody that you know on your heart. Maybe you were praying and something that somebody said in passing in the hall was an answer to your prayer. I don't care what it is as long as it came from God. I don't care where it happens as long as it came from God. It doesn't ever have to come from me. Because hopefully none of this comes from me. Amen? Amen. Hopefully it's just what he said. And so I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.